because of the time difference, there's a good possibility that, that Mike and Julie are actually wor- uh, watching the service this morning uh, on the live stream, and I hope that's the case. We're, we're in the middle of a study, the parable of the soil. And normally we would call it, and in fact in your Bible it may say the parable of the sower. And it is important to think about the seed, that is the Word of God, and the sower, and that's you and me, and that's Mike Rogers. Last week uh, we had Chase Reynolds read this passage of Scripture. This week Mike Rogers, and next week a mystery missionary will be reading to you. I think it's cool that we're having the people that we support to be sowers in foreign lands, to be with us in the service, that you might get to meet them, and we can pray for the sowers. But the parable is really more about the soil. There are four different types of soil that are mentioned in the parable, and it is the soil that we're focusing on. What is the condition of your heart? What kind of soil are you? Somebody, uh, Walter, I think probably told me that I ought to call it, I ought to say, what kind of dirt are you? But that just doesn't sound, it sounds a lot nicer, Tony, to say, what kind of soil are you than to say, uh, what is your dirt? You know, wh- what kind of dirt are you? I, I may get around to that eventually. But we're talking about, it is a parable of the soil. And... We're talking about this week, the seed on the rocky ground. Last week we talked about the seed on the packed earth, that is the path. This week we're talking about the seed on the rocky ground. And it says, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. I want you to pay attention to that they immediately receive it with joy. Because last week we talked about the, the packed earth, the hard heart, the hard head, that the, the seed is not able to enter at all. And so they are not saved. But these are the ones who hear the word and immediately receive it with joy. But then it also says, and they have no root in themselves, But endure for a while, then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. I want you to... I want you to notice from the passage that there are three questions I'm going to ask you this morning. First of all, I want to know, How joyful is your salvation? You see, it says that they immediately receive the Word and they receive it with joy. Now notice I said, how joyful is your salvation? Because the point is, while the people who represent the seed on the path are lost, these are people who are saved. Now, David, we got David and Kim Rohr, the missionaries, back with us again this morning. We're glad to have them. By the way, this is not in my notes. This won't cost you any extra. Everyone turn around and look at the monitors on the back wall. Did you notice that our singers were not looking at the ground? They were looking up. 
It's because David and Aaron over the past couple of weeks have installed monitors on the back wall so that the singers can see the words without looking down all the time. And thank you, David, for the work that you've put in on that. And you guys be sure and meet them. What is it I was going to say? Okay, so <clears throat> David, most commentators say that these people are not saved because they fall away. And those commentators are those who believe that you can be saved and then you can fall away and be lost again. That is not the point at all. And I want you to understand that these people are saved and it is because salvation is by grace through faith and not by works or perseverance. People have gotten the idea that in order to be saved, you have to remain faithful to the very end. Now, there is a passage that says if you will remain faithful to the end, you'll be saved. But I, have you, I would ask you to notice the context. The context is concerning the last days before the coming of Christ, and it's not talking about soul salvation. It's talking about deliverance. If you make it through and you are faithful to the end, you will be delivered. It's not talking about coming to Christ and believing and being saved. The context is totally different. We're talking about somebody who heard the Word and gladly received it. I can show you Scripture after Scripture that says that if you do that, then you are saved. But to say, Don, to say that you have to make it to the end and stay faithful, that's works for salvation. And the Bible says, for grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Understand, you are saved by grace, by hearing the Word of God, and by receiving it, by believing. You don't have to earn your salvation and it is to remain totally faithful until the end of your days. We're all sinners. You, if you've never come to Christ, you are a lost sinner. I'm a preacher, but I'm just a saved sinner. And it is not up to me to maintain my salvation. Listen, friend, I could not save myself, and I have no hope of keeping myself saved, it was strictly by the grace of God because I placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I heard the Word and believed it. I need you to understand that salvation is forever. Salvation is not temporary. If it is temporary, we're in trouble and if it's temporary, eternal life is not eternal. Did you ever think about that? For whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. I guess some people think if you call upon the Lord, you might be saved. You just have to wait and see till you get to the end of your life. That, that's a terrible way to live. That is a life of fear, of drudgery. The Bible says, Jesus said in John 5, 24, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me. Now, isn't that what it says of those, those who represent 
the seed on the stony ground, the rocky ground, they heard and they received what they heard. And if you do that, it says very clearly, he who does that has, that's present tense. Gerald, that doesn't mean you might have someday. It doesn't even say you shall have. Brenda says has, present tense, right now, has everlasting life. And it takes care of the future. Debbie, it says, and shall not come into judgment, into condemnation, but has. Chris, that's, I could add an already to that and not do unjustice, disjustice to the Scripture, but has already passed from death unto life. Listen, salvation is forever. Joyce, eternal life means eternal life. It does not mean temporary life. So, Alan, when you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, He sealed the deal. You don't have to finish it. He's already done everything that needs to be done. He has wiped away your sin, past, present, yes, and future. It is all under the blood of Jesus Christ. So that you've received, friend, you've received the gift of everlasting life. Not temporary life. By the way, how do I know that they had that? Because Rodney in the in the first verses that Mike read, there is the parable, and then there is the explanation. And in the first verses, it said they sprang to life. If there's life, there's life. That's salvation. It, it, in the first one, in the seed on the path, there was no life. There was no sprouting. There was nothing except Satan coming and taking away. By the way, I don't want to re-preach that sermon, but listen to me, friend. You hear what I'm saying, please. Do not allow Satan to come like the birds in the air coming and grabbing the seed before they can sprout. Do not allow Satan to take away the truth from your heart. I'm telling you that right now, if you will hear the Word of God, hear what I'm saying to you, and believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, you will immediately receive eternal life. Don't let Satan take that away. Don't leave this place lost as you came in. Hear the Word. Believe and receive the gift of eternal life. You'll never come into judgment again because salvation is forever. Not only that, but salvation is supposed to be joyful. Did you notice that in the verse? That they gladly or with great joy received the Word. It sprouted and it began to grow. And there was joy in that. Are you enjoying your salvation? How much joy do you have in your salvation? Some of us are not good advertisements for salvation. You know that? Some of us walk around with scowls on our face. And I, I've seen, unfortunately, I've seen some mean Baptist. I, I tell you what, I, I've not seen many mean Pentecostals. You know, that's a shame to us. 
Why in the world would they have more joy than we do? They think they can lose their salvation. And you think they're happy about that? Man, we've got eternal life. God sealed the deal. We can never be condemned again. That ought to put a smile on your face. How excited are you about being saved? Rejoice in the Lord. Does that mean that you'll always be happy we just walk around with a silly grin on our face? No. We might at some point be like David who said because of his sin with Bathsheba, because of his sin with Uriah, he had to say, Restore unto me, Lord, the joy of thy salvation. By the way, he didn't say, Larry, he didn't say, restore the joy of my salvation. He did not say, restore my salvation. He said, restore the joy, Don, of thy salvation. I would agree that there are times we've been disobedient, and because of it, we're not enjoying what we ought to enjoy. We need to say to God, just forgive me where I failed you, and restore the joy. We should never get over the excitement of our salvation. The second question, I said there are three questions I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you, how deep is your dirt? I said, I told you I'd get around to the dirt part, right? How deep is your dirt? You see, it says other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. That's the problem. There was not much soil there. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. They had no, they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Listen, you need good roots. You need a good root system. I live on Billy Goat Mountain. Uh, Anybody know where that is? Most of you don't because you've never been to my house. Why don't you ever come to my house? It's, It's only, it's a long, I know, it's a long way out there, right? Okay, on Billy Goat Mountain, everybody's septic tank sticks up out of the ground. You know why? Because it's bedrock. And the poor guy with his machine trying to dig the septic tank breaks teeth out of the bucket trying to dig through the rock. That also means when we have a dry season, Charlotte, my grass gets brown real quick. Larry, you can tell where every rock is, in fact. Because that rock uh, gathers the heat of the sun and dries the grass out. I mean, our soil is so shallow, the sun kills just about everything we plant. I was at a yard sale in my neighbor's house yesterday, and I saw that he had a pickaxe for sale. I said, man, if you're going to plant flowers on this hill, you better not sell that pickaxe. You're going to need it. You, you don't dig a hole even for a flower without a pickaxe on our rocky hilltop. So I understand, Michelle, I understand what it means when he talks about the sun coming out and, and drying them up 
and they do not endure, they don't have a good root system. Listen, you need deep roots. Let me ask you this, and I'm not going to call anybody's name at this point, okay? How have you grown since you got saved? Do you, have you developed, have you grown a good, a good root system? Listen, that's why I emphasize spending time with God every single day in the Word and in prayer. I don't care if you have to get up an hour earlier. I know you do, but get up. Get out of the bed and open the book and spend time with God. You need to develop a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. That way when trials come, when persecution comes, you'll have the roots that you need to be able to endure. If you're always fearing that you're failing and you're going to fall away, it's probably because you've not grown. Listen to me, you need deep roots because trials are on the way. As soon as, you know, people have said, and, and said well, that uh, Jesus promised, I'll be with you always, and just as soon as you got saved, the devil smiled and said, and I will too. Trials will come. It, it's not if, Kim, it's not if trials come, it's when trials come. I guarantee you, if you're serving God, if you make a commitment to God, the devil is not going to be happy and he will be headed your way and trials are on the way. It is only that root system that will keep you established. It's the roots, Betty, that give the nourishment through the moisture that it draws from the soil to keep the plant alive. If you don't have a good root system, then you're not going to make it. By the way, I need you to understand something. Trial, uh, the sun is beneficial to plants. Think about that, Jerry. You, if Brenda put out some tomato plants in the back of our house. Uh, she's never been a farmer, but she's making a stab at it now. She got plant, she's got tomatoes on her plants. Terry, you do too. We started about the same time. And you want your plants, Terry, to get some sun. It's, it's good for Brenda's, I don't know where she went. She's here, there she is. She moved chairs on me. It, it's good for the sun to shine on her tomato plants. Your plants need the sun to grow. But now wait a minute. Now the sun is coming out and it is baking and drying up those plants and it's because they don't have sufficient roots and moisture. See, the thing is this, trials are good for the believer with deep roots. Trials build your faith. Trials build your patience. You learn that you can trust God no matter what's going on around you because your roots, can I change metaphors? Your roots are in the rock. Your roots are deep into the soil of Jesus Christ. So when the trials come, they're like sun on plants in good soil, and it is productive. The plants grow. But listen, if you don't have good roots, 
when the sun comes out, when trials come, they are destructive to you. And listen, trials are coming. Not only that, but persecution may come as well. Persecution may come. And notice that it says that persecution because of the Word. Listen, if you are practicing the Word of God, I'm probably going to be speaking in tonight's service about not just hearing the Word and saying you believe the Word, not just learning the Word, but living the Word. We're supposed to work. We're supposed to live it. And if you're living the Word of God, I promise you that persecution will come because of the Word that you testify and the Word that you live. You see, your good works and the Word that you share is convicting to the world around you. They don't like it because they're convicted of their sin because of their rebellion against God. I've heard time and time again, and if you've pasted this on, posted this on, on Facebook or you've shared somebody else's post, go take it off now because it's not true. People say the safest place on earth is in the center of God's will. You might ask the Apostle Paul about that. He was absolutely in the center of God's will, God's will, and it got him stoned. It got him beaten. He ended up in a shipwreck. He, he was stoned to death and raised again at one point. I guarantee you that living the truth of the Word of God will bring persecution. People around you will, would rather you be politically correct and if you would rather be popular, yeah, persecution might not come. But friend, one day you're going to answer to God. If you're going to stand on the Word of God, persecution will come. How joyful is your salvation was my first question. The second question is how deep is your dirt? Have you grown? Are you growing? Listen, you need to grow. My third question is how easily are you offended? How easily are you offended? You see, it talks about when the trials and tribulation come that they do not endure, that they fall away. The thing is, in that verse, it's not a falling away, it's a falling down. You see, the word that is used there is a Greek word, skandalizo. Skandalizo means to trip and maybe, maybe just stumble or maybe fall down. I got news for you. If you fall down, you can get up again. And that is, if you lose your salvation, I promise you Jesus is not coming back to the earth to die on a cross again to get you saved again. And you need to understand that. It's only by the cross of Christ that you were saved in the beginning. And that's the only way you can be saved. If salvation can be lost, Christ would have to be sacrificed again. And that's not going to happen. It's not a falling away, losing your salvation. It's falling down. Did you ever stumble and fall? 
I'm, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'll ask and sort of rhetorically, how many of you in your Christian life have stumbled and have fallen? That's what it's talking about. When trials and persecution come, if you don't have deep roots, you will easily stumble and fall. Listen, if you've tripped and you've fallen, please understand, it's not over. That's not the end of the story, and you don't have to stay there on your face, nose in the soil. You can get up and go again. Our God is a God. How many times have you heard me say this? Our God is a God of second chances. He has covered your sin, and He loves you, and He wants you to come home. He wants you to get up and go again. If you've fallen down, don't give up. Get up and get going and get growing again in Jesus Christ. It's not a falling away. It's simply a falling down. Not only that, I need you to understand that shallow Christians are easily offended. You see that word scandalizo because it means to stumble or to fall. It also has the meaning, Charles, it's translated many times in the New Testament as offend or be offended. How easily are you offended? You see, shallow Christians, Christians who have not grown in faith in Jesus Christ, are offended very easily. Something, I didn't like a song at church. I didn't like the fact that the preacher called my name. By the way, I need to make it very clear again. I only call the names of people who are looking at me and paying attention. So it's considered a compliment when I call your name. It may shock you a little bit because no preacher's ever called your name before. But I just, I'm sorry, I just, that's just Lynn. It's my habit, whether it's good or bad. But a preacher called my name, I'm offended. The, the service started late, and I'm offended. I didn't like what he was wearing, and I'm offended. I didn't like, I didn't like, I didn't like, and I'm offended. And shallow Christians are easily offended. Now, if that offends you, If the shoe fits, wear it. <laughs> Shallow Christians are easily offended because they don't have deep roots. Man, if you know the grace of God, if you think about all of which we've been forgiven, I've got it, Jerry, I've got it written in my Bible. Considering everything I've been forgiven, what could anybody do to me that I could not forgive? Wow. But shallow Christians are easily offended. And if you get that, now that's that word scandalizo, I noticed, Charles, that's used in Matthew and in Mark, but Luke uses a different word. In the Gospel of Mark, in Luke 8.13, it says, In the time of testing, fall away. And in that place, the fall away is aphistemi. That's the root word. To stand off, literally. Histemi, stand 
apo away. To stand off, that means to withdraw. I'm offended, so I've quit coming to church. I don't like that he talks about money all the time. Well, how many times did Jesus talk about money? Well, I don't like that either. So I'm offended, so I'm not going to church. I'm offended, I'm not going to give my offerings. I'm offended, I just won't speak to Him. i got people who don't speak to me. I'm sort of enjoying the silence. Oh, did I say that out loud? Tim, they get offended, and they back off. I'm never going to work in that church again. No, you've withdrawn. Why would you do that? Well, the answer is shallow Christians are easily offended. And to be offended has the meaning of withdrawing from the fellowship. Listen to me. If you've been offended and you've withdrawn from the fellowship, it's time to re-engage. I, I, I didn't mean for Aaron to talk quite as long as he did, but man, what he had to say about the need and the opportunity of volunteering and serving God. We need you. Listen. God needs you in church. You need this church and the opportunity to serve God in this church. And God needs you in church. Re-engage. We have focused for this year, 2020. COVID didn't kill it. Our focus this year is repentance, forgiveness, healing, and unity. Let's not back away from that. I need to ask you, how easily are you offended? I talk all the time about spending time in God's Word. And Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. One translation says, And in nothing shall they be offended. If you're deep in the Word of God, and your faith in God, you'll be hard to offend. For those who are offended, for those who dry up and do not endure, the sad result is no fruit. You mean, preacher, you can be saved and go to heaven and have no reward? I'm reading a book by David Jeremiah, and he sort of makes fun of those people who sing that song, I just want a little cabin in glory land. He says, no, I don't want a little cabin. I want a palace. I want a mansion. I want reward when I get there. But yeah, there are some folks that, are going to be saved by the skin of their teeth. You see, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, On judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder, each person has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. Listen, some of the things that that we're involved in, you and I. I'm, I'm preaching to me too. Some of the things that we're involved in are not going to matter to a hill of beans when we get to heaven. 
God's not going to care what your golf handicap is. God's really not going to care how well I can fly those drones. Yeah, I'm almost 69 years old and I'm learning to fly drones. That's not, that's fun and that's good. It takes my mind off all of you. But, <laughs> but that's not going to matter in heaven. We need to make sure that we're investing, Mark, in things of value. Things for which there will be a reward. And that trial by fire, by fire will determine the quality and the value of our life and our work. And if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will still be saved. Please get that. If you, dis, if, if you disbelieve what I said about salvation being forever and you can't lose it, you need to read that. You can lose everything in your life because it was of no value and still be saved. But like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. That's why I say, John, some people are going to be saved by the skin of their teeth. They're going to get to heaven and there's no reward for them. They're just there. They, they got saved, but they really never lived for God. They'll make it to heaven, but they have no rewards. No fruit and no rewards. So how do you live a life of value? How do you live a fruitful life? Now, I'm, go I'm not going to be here on Father's Day. Aaron is going to get to preach the good sermon. He gets to preach the sermon about the good soil and the fruitful and the 60-fold and 100-fold. He gets to preach the good sermon, but I'm going to steal this much of it, okay? I'm, I'm going to grab this part. How do you become fruitful? How do you know that you've got a life of value and of meaning that will last to reward in heaven? Man, you need to be connected to Jesus. You need to have an, a relationship with Jesus Christ. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, without Jesus, you can't do anything. You can do nothing. Having, having a fruitful life requires maintaining a close relationship. With Jesus Christ. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for God will last. By the way, David, recognize the name. That's a good missionary quote. C.T. Studd. Listen, friends, it's time to grow deeper. How deep is your dirt? How joyful is your salvation? Do you know the Lord? We baptized two this morning upon their profession of faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not asking you to be baptized for the sake of being baptized because that baptism is a testimony of faith in Jesus Christ. Have you placed your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? I could not preach this sermon and not give you the opportunity to stand to bow your heads and close your eyes. Please, everyone, stand. Bow your heads. Close your eyes.
And if you are here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, this is your opportunity. This is the time to trust Him. You can right where you're standing call in faith on His name. Just saying, Father, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and save me. I've heard Your Word. I believe in You. And I want to receive You as Savior right now. You can do that where you are.